thanks for your time this morning. Thanks for having me. First thing you said, you walked in the door, I'm ready to get this over <laughs> with. And I, I would bet you've been at this for a while. It, it has been. I mean, it's been almost a year and a half now since uh, started last year. Obviously, with the special election, we've had a, a full campaign that we ran in 2017. And then you know, certainly this year's for the full term. Last year was just for a single session. Um, had a really close, uh, despite what my opponent just said, it was it was actually a really close election decided by just a couple hundred votes. Um, and this year, it's uh, we're seeing record turnout in the early voting, which is uh, significant. Um, the reality was last year you had really low turnout in in uh, our strongholds and really high turnout um, where she did well. Uh, but we're seeing great turnout everywhere across the district, and that's exactly what we want. We feel really good going into Tuesday, but absolutely, I think. Uh, everybody's ready for their their mailboxes to be clean and and their TV <laughs> TVs to get rid of us and and um, so we're looking forward to to victory on Tuesday and having the opportunity to to move forward and serve. How long after the election of last year, the special election? You mentioned you lost by a couple hundred votes. How long did it take you to process that and then say to yourself, okay, I'm going to do this again. I'm going to get back in there. Is that something that night, the next day, the next month? I mean, when did you decide, okay, let, let's take another swing at this? It took, a, it took a while. Um, I mean, there were people calling the next day saying, Houston, you've got to run next year. It's a whole different environment. You're going you're gonna to do well. Um, but but it, it took me a long time. Um, and ultimately, I believe we announced in February. Um, and, and, and I had to decide, um, you know, if I thought my opponent was going to be an effective representative, um, I thought she'd do a good job. Um, and I gave her some time in the General Assembly and actually, you know, before, before the session started, um, and the reality was she, she didn't choose a path of working with Republicans. She chose to be extremely partisan um, and, and, and wasn't, wasn't going to be an effective voice for our community. Um, so that was one thing. And certainly I had to decide, am I able to go back at this full speed again? Because if I'm going to run, I'm going to run to win. And, and so I felt like after uh, giving it a couple of months that I had had the capacity to do it. I wanted to do it. I felt like I would be good at this role. Uh, but more importantly, I felt like, uh, you know, the community needed a strong leader and a strong voice. And, and so that's what I hope to bring. And, and certainly uh, now we're we're just a couple of days away and we'll find out on Tuesday. Uh, again, uh, Houston Gaines with this Republican running in House District 117. I always do this. I ought to buy a map at some point. What's the geography of this district? Uh, give me just the basic parameters here. We have maps everywhere <laughs> in our <laughs> yeah. campaign. I mean, it's so confusing, especially in Five Points area. But basically, we have a good chunk of five points out Timothy Road, Atlanta Highway. And they're literally uh, places. I know you have to draw the line someplace, but they're literally places where you can see a Houston Gaines sign on one side of the street and a Marcus Weedow sign right. on the other. That's right. And 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 sometimes th- those two signs are in the wrong on the wrong side of the street. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sorry, I interrupted. You were you were given the, the geography of the no, district but, here. But it but it is it is very complicated. And then so you know we got Atlanta Highway out Epps Bridge, uh, Timothy Road, um, and then a little bit on Oglethorpe over. Uh, sort of normal town, um, kind of sunset, uh, Hawthorne area. Um, and then in Oconee, we've got a little three precincts in northern Oconee, uh, Athens Academy, Bogart, and Malcolm Bridge. And then we go out to Statham, and we just have a quarter of the city limits of Statham and go up north from that a little bit um, outside the city limits. Mm-hmm. And then we go into Jackson County, go all the way up 29 to Arcade, um, and then go out 441 uh, before you get to Nicholson. Um, so it's a it's geographically Jackson County is actually the largest portion of the district. Wow. Um, but population wise, 
uh, certainly Clark County sure. is, and, and, and Oconee uh, comes in the close Well, that's second. one of the things that came up at, at, at the forum that we had a couple, three weeks ago at the hospital. I was moderating, got all these questions from the audience, right, on index cards, and never got around to asking this one. If, if I remember correctly, it didn't actually get asked. It should have been because it was it was something that's clearly of concern to the folks in Oconee County. They want their district back or what they see as their district. They think their entire county ought to comprise or comprise one house district. Would that be something as a representative you'd be interested in pursuing? I would be. I mean, I think that um, we've got to find a way for these districts to, to, to encompass more of, of communities, similar communities. And, and so um, whether that means an even split in Oconee and, and Jackson and Barrow, or whether that means one representative in Oconee, um, but the reality is the way this district in particular is drawn, you've just got little chunks of four mm. counties, and that makes it, one, really hard to represent. Uh, you've got four very different uh, constituencies, and obviously within those communities, you've got different constituencies. So I'm, I, I'm not saying that one representative in Oconee is the only solution, but I do think um, that, that there's challenges with this district. And there's, I mean, the reality is uh, this is all across the state, and, and certainly in 2020, redistricting will be a big conversation. Um, but uh, I, I would like to do all we can to keep communities and, and, and uh, communities together, counties together, um, because I think that's important. Uh, you mentioned uh, Houston Gaines. Uh, what, what will probably go down is record turnout, at least in terms of early voting and, and maybe overall. We'll find out on Tuesday. I, I've said this a couple of times already. I'm basically going to miss the early voting window today, the last day for that. I've committed myself, therefore, <laughs> to voting, at, at, in my case, at the library on Baxter Street on Tuesday, and the hope being that by then everybody would have voted and the lines won't be long. I don't know who's left to vote. Uh, if I'm a candidate, though, I don't know what to do with that. I don't know how to how to take that. Uh, normally, conventional wisdom holds that Democrats would tend to benefit from a huge turnout. On the other hand, we're told that these Republicans are all fired up for whatever reason. I mean, what do you think? I think it's some of both. I think both sides are energized. There's no doubt that uh, Democrats have been fired up for the last last you know 18 months, 20 months. Because they hate Trump or what? Yeah, I mean, I think in large part um, that that's what's driving their enthusiasm. Republicans, um, you know, frankly, uh, last year in the special election we weren't as energized. Uh, but I think Republicans are fired up. They're ready to elect Brian Kemp as our next governor. I think across the country, Republicans are, are ready for this important midterm. This might be one of the most important elections. It, it is one of the most important elections of our lifetimes. And it's a midterm election. I think people recognize that. I think that's why the turnout is so high. But but you're exactly right. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. You know, after the first couple mm-hmm. of days, we said, if this continues on this path, I mean, like you said, there's going to be no one left to vote on Election Day. Um there are certainly still a lot of registered voters to, to come out, but, um, you know, it'd be interesting to see, is, is early voting going to encompass, you know, 40, 50 percent like it normally does, or is it 70 percent of the vote? Well, I hope um, so, because I'm planning to vote on Tuesday. <laughs> now, my plan was, I said that my plan was to vote last Friday, right? I, I, I worked this out in my head. Well, first of all, it's raining, right? Remember last Friday was miserable. And everybody's gone. Everybody's gone to Jacksonville. I'll slip down there, and I'll <laughs> go vote early on Friday. The line was down to College Street, out the door of the elections office. So well, and they've opened, you know, in Clark County, um, a couple more locations this week, and, and gosh, was thinking, you know, that, oh, they're going to spread the lines out. No, you know, going from just a couple hundred people voting in Clark County to a couple thousand people yeah. voting every day, it's um, it's unbelievable. But 
but I will give my pitch. Please go vote today if you're, if you're not Tim Bryant. <laughs> Everyone else, please go vote today or last day of early voting. There's three sites in Clark County, certainly Oconee, Jackson, and Beryl have their regular voting early voting right. locations uh, as well. Again, uh, Houston Gaines, candidate for a seat in the Georgia House. I've mentioned this to some of the candidates. We've had several in over the last few days. Uh, the forum of a couple, three weeks ago at the hospital, ironically enough, talking about health care. That was the dominant topic there. Everybody wants to talk about it. And it broke down into, the, as you might imagine, the partisan divide. Uh, listening to the Democrats, uh, and this was just pretty much across the board, all four of them, uh, the two senators, uh, the, the two seeking the Senate and the two in the House, that if we had just taken or if we would just take that Medicaid expansion, then everything would be port swings and apple pie. <laughs> and and uh, we'd, I mean, we'd have jobs, more jobs than we know what to do with, and everybody be happy and healthy. I, I gather you have a dissenting view. Well, I do. I mean, I think that um, the reality is Medicaid in general at, and in Georgia has one of the lowest reimbursement rates. A lot of physicians won't even take uh, Medicaid. So basically you're expanding care that is, is not sufficient as it is. So you're going to expand the roles um, and, and overload a system that, that can barely keep up with the folks that are on it currently. And a third of the – there's another uh, problem with, with their solution – if the idea is to get private health insurance to individuals, a third of the people that would be con- covered under a Medicaid expansion already have private insurance. Seems like a pretty inefficient way to do it. Um, and so, uh, you know, if we want to look at a waiver program, other states ha- have done uh, similar solutions. But how, how would that work? What's a waiver program? Well, it, it would be a way to draw down the federal dollars, but it would be a Georgia-centric program. It's it's kind of like what um, other, you know, uh, Mike Pence in Indiana, other other states have, have done. Um, and so I think that looking at a, a Georgia-specific program, not just wholesale Medicaid expansion, uh, but looking at a program that would be specific to Georgia, allow us uh, to address the issues, whether, whether we want to address mental health, the opioid crisis, um, those are areas where we can have a real impact, but wholesale Medicaid expansion is just going to expand poor coverage. Uh, to, and, and expand it to some people who already have private insurance. But I mean, I listen to Stacey Abrams and I listen to the Democrats, and they, they say that, that we are being played for suckers here in Georgia and that we're leaving the federal money on the table and it's going to other states that are accepting it and we're, we're just left out in the cold here with hospitals that are closing and counties that don't have doctors and pediatricians and all the rest of it. Again, though, I think that you're looking at expanding a program that, that is not successful with the folks who are already on Medicaid. And so... You know, if you, if you want to look at drawing down the federal dollars, the Trump administration has encouraged states to look at a Medicaid waiver program, um, and, and a lot of states are doing that. That is something that I think would be a reasonable uh, uh, thing to put on the table. I think wholesale Medicaid expansion is a serious mistake uh, because uh, of, of the coverage it would provide. Um, and again, a lot of the people who are just trying to help already have private insurance. Legislature, uh, Houston Gaines running for a seat in the legislature, running for the Georgia House in the election now four days away. The legislature, General Assembly, most recently passing that tax cut. I'd, listen, I would be honest. I'd look at it and say it's fairly modest as, as tax cuts might go. On the other hand, when you haven't had one basically ever in terms of an income tax cut in Georgia, you take what you can get. Most of the Democrats, I think all of the Democrats, uh, would rather that had not been done, some going so far uh, as to say they would undo it. Would you seek more by way of tax cuts? Cuts. I would. I think we can get below 5%. You know, the tax cut this year moved it from 6 to 7.5 to 5, excuse me, 6 to 7, 5, 5.75. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a little early. Yeah. Um, and and go, next year we'll have the opportunity to, to vote and move it down to 5.5. But I do believe we can get below 5%. Um, and that's something that, you know, obviously we've seen uh, benefits of tax cuts 
um, at, at the federal level, and, and certainly I think that's something that we can move forward on and, and, and have a serious conversation. What about tax reform? I mean, we're looking at the same state tax code. We've basically had some tweaking, but essentially the same tax code since the end of World War II. Well, and I think that's a great conversation along with some of the corporate tax tax breaks that we've all, all talked about. You know, certainly looking at industry as a whole, um, you know, offering incentives is one thing, but for uh, supporting individual companies, I mean, that, you know, if, if we do lose revenue, although in large part, I think you help stimulate the economy. In fact, uh, revenue is up, even though we've cut taxes. Um, so, uh, and by the way, that's true at the federal level as well. The, right. the federal tax take, and people don't talk about this, the federal tax take actually set a record. I mean, cut the taxes and the tax rate went up. Some people see that as counterintuitive. Others, Republicans mostly, folks on the right. Called stimulating so, the economy. Yeah, exactly. You, you lower the tax rate and you broaden the tax base. And at least that's in theory how it is supposed to work. I mean, would you ultimately be in favor of eliminating the state income tax, replacing it with a consumption tax? Well, we are competing with folks like Tennessee and, and Florida that uh, that don't have an income tax. And so that makes economic development opportunities. You know, that that's a hard thing to compete against. Um you know, I, I, I've not sat down to look at specifically how would we make make up the loss of those revenues, you know, if in a bad economy, uh, what happens to the consumption tax? Are we able to make that up? Certainly in a good economy, it's not a, not an issue. Uh, but in a bad economy, um, that would certainly be something I'd like to look at. Uh, but I definitely want to get us below 5% and certainly would be open to consideration. Uh, Houston Gaines with his candidate for a seat in the Georgia House. Uh, education and education funding, always a big topic. The legislature, uh, with Deborah Gonzalez in it, uh, with or without her vote, I don't recall, but the legislature uh, and the governor fully funding QBE for the really the first time ever. Now, the Democrat response to that, and we've had, again, we've had all the candidates except Deborah Gonzalez in it. They all say the same thing. They said it at the forum a couple of weeks ago. Yay, hooray, but now let's rework the funding formula because it hasn't been changed in a generation. And I think Republicans and Democrats agree that, that there needs to be some updating on the formula. Um, but, you know, uh, Deborah Gonzalez did vote for that piece of legislation. Mm-hmm. She often touts that, that she helped fully fund QBE, which um, let me just go ahead and address that real quick. Uh, the reality is, um, you know, she, she had nothing to do with it. It was a Republican-led uh, initiative. Governor Deal uh, spearheaded that initiative. Uh, Chairman England uh, and the General Assembly um, and, and the reality was certainly, you know, we can continue to have someone who will vote yes or no, or we can have someone who will actually be a part of those conversations and be a voice at the table. Um, and that's certainly, I think, our choice on the ballot um, in just a couple of days. I wonder what about transportation. I mean, people want to point to 316, fix 316, do some other things. What would you do or what would you advocate? Well, certainly 316 is something that I think um, we, you know, we all talk about it. Um, let's get it done. And, and it is, it is uh, in phases and plans uh, with GDOT. Um, something that I'd like us to see a speed up. Yeah, I'm not getting any younger here. <laughs> None of us are. Yeah. Um, but but that's something we need to get sped up. Again, that that the reality is, uh, for projects like that, you've got to have somebody in the General Assembly who's going to be a fighter and who actually has a voice at the table. My opponent, I mean, she calls herself a left wing nut. Um, <laughs> I think that tells you her her ability to work with Republicans. And the reality is, in two thirds Republican General Assembly. You have to have someone who's willing to work across the aisle if you're going to be a Democrat. And there are people who choose to do that. She's not chosen that path. If you want issues like 316 for us to have a voice at the table, have someone who can get things done, uh, then we need to go in a different direction.
You know, you mentioned uh, our mailboxes uh, being filled with, with campaign pieces. I, my conclusion, and, and I live in your district, my conclusion is that both of you are horrible human beings. I mean, I get that <laughs> in my mailbox every day. You're disgusting and she's worse. I mean, that, that's that's what I <laughs> get when I go to my, no, Well, I mean, as long as I get that, I go to my mailbox every day and that's what I get. It's Seriously? Uh, it's, it's uh, you know, politics in general has just become this um, really unfortunate uh, uh I don't, I don't even know what to call it, but it, it's uh, it's become so partisan and it's become so nasty that, um, you know, when I first got into this a year and a half ago, I was naive to it. I said, gosh, you know, this is a local state house race. Where everything's going to be real positive, happy. Um, and and a year and a half later, I've realized that that's not reality. Um, even these seats, you know, at this level, um, everyone's engaged. Everyone, you know, from, from Atlanta and D.C., I mean, heck, my opponent's. I got $7,500 from the Latino Victory Fund in Washington, D.C., a group that supported Osceo Cortez, the socialist up in uh, New York. I mean, these kind of groups are are focused on this sort of race, and I was naive to that. Um, I thought, you know, we'd have an opportunity to really discuss the issues, uh, see who could be a better state representative. The reality is it it, it becomes these partisan uh, fights that that, um, is something that I don't enjoy being a part of, and, and I hope that um, you know, we can have someone who's who's not extremely partisan, someone who's focused on actually getting things done. All right, Ten seconds here. You feel good about this? I do. I do. I feel really good. And, and uh, we just need the turnout. So if everyone please get out and vote today or on Tuesday, 7 to 7, polls will be open uh, Tuesday morning. Uh, HoustonGains.com, and that's G-A-I-N-E-S, HoustonGains.com is the website. Houston Gaines, best of luck on Tuesday. Thanks for your time this morning. Thank you so much.